Which voice will you listen to? Mark chapter 9, let's read verse 23. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Let's put this in context. Jesus is talking, or he is saying this because there was a father that brought his son to the disciples, and the, the son of this man had been tormented and tortured by demons for quite some time, and the disciples couldn't do anything about it. They bring him to Jesus. And Jesus tells this father that if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And what I want to pull out of that verse is there is, as Christians, we, we, we hear about it and we instinctively kind of know about it, but I want to cement it and really focus on the idea that it does matter what goes on on the inside of us. When Jesus uses the word believe, he says, if you can believe, all things are then possible to him that believeth. That puts an onus, that puts a requirement a little bit on our end. Nothing that we can do in our physical strength, but something that we can do in our spirit, in our mind, our heart. Our, our salvation even depends on that. The Bible teaches us that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that you shall be saved, even salvation requires something on the inside of us. It's a decision to believe what God has said. In the case of salvation, you're believing what God has told us, what he has said about his son coming to the earth to pay the penalty for sin on our behalf. If you believe that, if you accept that, the Bible then teaches you're saved. You've been renewed on the inside. In this example in Mark chapter 9, it's talking about deliverance or healing. And Jesus is telling them he's making a link. Now, I'm, I always like to start at the basic level. To build an idea, to build our belief on something, start at something that's easy to believe. We don't want any questions. Jesus said, if, if you can believe, then anything is possible. Well, now we need to understand, what are we believing? How does this belief get inside of us, and how does it grow? How does it increase? Well, we know this verse. Go to Romans chapter 10. After the Gospels is the book of Acts, then Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Romans 10, 17 tells us that by, excuse me, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In, in Mark, Jesus used the word believing. They're very similar, somewhat interchangeable, the idea of belief and the word faith. In this verse it says, faith cometh by hearing. It increases by hearing. And hearing what? There is a lot of things you can listen to in this world. I enjoy listening to uh, some different people on the radio. There are some people that I have to turn off within minutes because of the... Sometimes it's even just the sound of a voice is not all that pleasing to hear, but it's the ideas they're espousing. If they're saying something that, uh, that is, is, is biblical, it is, it's much fun to listen to somebody to, to teach, to expound, and put ideas in the mind and in the heart and have it grow. 
Makes a difference what you hear. All of us, if we would talk about it, you could all raise your hands and tell me somebody that you would not be want, that you do not want to be in the same room with. Just listening to them talk. Maybe it's the way they talk about their problems. Talk about their spouse, their parents, their childhood, their ex, whatever it was. Listening to somebody's voice can be depressing. It can be diminishing to you. And in the same way, on the flip side, hearing something, as this verse says, hearing the Word of God, the Bible, the biblical stories, hearing that increases our faith. Now, increases our faith toward what? What are we believing? When you hear the, the stories of the Bible, there's something that puts the reader in a mental state, an emotional state, where you can see that you are in the same line spiritually as all those people that even lived thousands of years ago. If you ever notice, you go to the book of Acts, when Stephen preached and Peter preached, they basically gave a history lesson. They were under trial, and they would start out, in defending themselves, they would start out by talking about Abraham. He lived 2,000 years before those guys. And Stephen would start saying, Abraham heard God, he left his home, he walked out, he had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and he works history all the way down to where he is standing. And he painted a picture of where he, Stephen, or Peter, was in the same belief line as Abraham, as Isaac, Jacob, as all those great heroes of Moses, and those people, that, and they were believing the same thing, and he told the people he was talking to, you're the ones that have killed the prophets. There wasn't, we didn't have any good prophets where you, your fathers, the people that believed like you, they were always on the wrong side of history, and they, they persecuted those prophets that God was trying to send to them. Hearing about what God has done it helps see ourselves in the same line. And I like to think of it possibly like this. If you were, could picture yourself at an extremely large banquet, tables that were maybe 100 feet long, you saw them, the, the servants that would come out maybe after the meal, and they were delivering breakfast, uh, dessert. And if you're like me, I like to picture things like strawberry cheesecake, because what in the world is better than that? And they start handing every single person, starting at one of the table, and they put that cheesecake in front of you. It's an easy conclusion to see that about 78 more people, and it's going to be me. You see yourself in line as them. Those servants aren't asking people if they have a certain amount of money to receive their dessert. They're not asking anymore to see their invitation. They're not asking them about their dress code. They've, all, they've passed all of that. They're seated. They're in the banquet. Everybody understands, as long as I wait my turn, that's coming to me. I'm in line with those people. I'm going to get what they got. Spiritually speaking, in Bible terms, you can look down the table of our ancestry, spiritually speaking, and see people like Noah, and see people like David, and Jeremiah, and Daniel, and the things that they got, and the same things that we can have. When we hear about those things, faith comes to us. We don't question and we don't nudge the person next to us at that banquet table and say, let's get up and leave. They're obviously not going to give us any. It's clear by looking at what has happened, what currently is happening, it's working its way toward you. We are in line for it. We hear by the word of God and something happens on the inside of us. Jesus said, 
If you can believe, all things are possible. So that links something that goes on in us, what we believe, with something that God can and will do. I think that's very important. It's often unspoken, but we need to point that out to build a foundation on that, that what goes on in here, and that's why the Bible tells us to protect, to guard what happens on the inside of us. The Bible tells us out of the heart come the issues of life. If it does matter what we believe, and that belief comes from what we hear, turn with me to the book of Numbers. There is not a better story to illustrate what we hear, who we choose to listen to, has a great impact on our life. In the book of Numbers, chapter 13, is the story where after is, uh, Moses went to Pharaoh, had the ten plagues occur, these amazing miracles, God forces Pharaoh to release the Israelites into Moses' hand, they head out into the wilderness. And as they, after they cross the Red Sea and the Egyptians are destroyed, they are ready to enter the promised land. Moses picks out a person from each tribe, and there's 12 spies. He tells them here in chapter 13 to go in and come back and tell us about what you see. And in verse 25, it says, They returned from searching the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel. So who are they talking to? They've got everybody's ear. I wonder if Moses had to do this over again if he might not have had a private briefing with these spies. These spies are up in front and everybody has gathered there. Verse 27, They told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled, and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. You might be wondering, why is he talking about someone's children, a descendant of people? The Bible goes on to later tell us, when it, we come across a character named Goliath, that he was a descendant of Anak. He was one of the children of the Anakim. Whoever this guy was, he had very large offspring. Enormous people. In biblical times, some of them, they called them the giants. And, and at some verses later here, they will refer to that. Look at what these spies tell all the people. That there are big people in there. They dwell in cities that are walled, and the cities are great. Words are amazing containers. I have no other way tonight to put something inside of you other than my words. If we don't choose our words a certain way, we can't even transmit an idea to you so that you can think of the same thing I'm thinking of. These people use words like great cities, their walled cities, and the giants are in there. Now whether or not those people what they believed in their heart, and we'll see here in a bit that they didn't believe too much, think too much of themselves, or really the God that had told them they could have that. But what did they do to the people that were listening? The entire nation of Israel was standing there. 
And here in the next few verses, it tells us, you can see it, look at verse 32. It says that they brought up an, what's that word? The Bible calls it an evil report. Think of that. When they communicated to their brethren that we can't take this. Keep in mind, God had told them, you have to go in there, we've set this aside for you. God had told them, I'll drive those people out. But when the ten spies came out and painted the picture that they'll eat us, God called that an evil report. Remember what we started with. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What was God's word concerning the promised land? Clearly, it was God's desire. Every kid in that nation Eight-year-old kids in Israel knew God has given us that. We're supposed to be in there. When the spies painted the picture with their words and in the hearing of their brethren said, we can't go in there, we are like grasshoppers to them. God called that evil. You'll also see here in a little bit, he uses a couple words, provoke and tempted. God said that these people provoked, they're basically putting a stick in God's cage. You don't do that. Skip ahead. Turn your, a page in your Bible to chapter 14, verse 37. Chapter 14, and look at what happens in verse 37. Even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. There's no other way to read that other than those men that put that picture in the heart of the people that they couldn't go in. God brought them off to the side, had a private conversation, and they never walked away from it. That verse tells us God took their lives from them. He buried them in the sand there that day. I've said this many times. It is because of this story and that specific verse, verse 37, that I will never get in front of God's people and try to diminish the power of the Lord. Never. You don't take the pulpit and infer to people that God probably can't maybe do something. Never. I don't care what it is. You don't tell people, God's people, that God is not strong enough, that God doesn't have the ability, that God doesn't have the can-do. You don't paint the picture that God is going to leave people, that he's, that he's going to leave them helpless. Always paint the picture of God being strong. Because there's an enormous difference. God literally took those men's lives, and you never hear their name mentioned again in the Bible. The two spies that did go in, Joshua and Caleb, they are recorded for hundreds, for thousands of years, even to today. We have their, their lives in front of us because, go back to chapter 13, Look at what Caleb does when he gets a chance to speak. Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. Caleb stilled the people. He calmed them down after the the ten spies spoke. And he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we're well able to overcome it. He told his brethren, and he, he painted the picture of faith. He does not deny that there are great people in that land. He does not say that they were lying, that the cities aren't walled. He assents, he agrees to all of that, but that's not even his focus. 
all of us know of times when we or people we knew, they, they failed against small odds and they failed against great odds. And you can turn it around and people have succeeded against small odds and you've succeeded against great odds. What matters is, in this story, is whether or not is God on our side. Joshua and Caleb both say the same thing when they get a chance to talk to the people. Numbers chapter 14, look at verse 8. This is Caleb. If the Lord delight in us, biblical word delight, what does that mean? If the Lord delight in us. If we are doing what he has told us to do, that's when faith should come. We should absolutely have confidence in our God. If God delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. I am intentionally making a big deal of the difference between these two worldviews. What the ten spies said about it, what they thought in their hearts, and what Caleb and Joshua said about that land and what they thought in their hearts. Because the reality of what was taking place on the inside of that land, the Bible spells out for us. I want to make sure that we're clear. I'm not sure how much Bible everybody knows. From this story, we know that when the spies came out, the people were convinced now, we can't go in there. They went bawling, crying to God, take us back to Egypt. And because of that, the Bible tells us, God got angry. He got very angry to the point that it says he swore to himself. It's in Numbers 14, verse 22. God said, He swore to himself, this group of people, they'll never go in. Think of that. You don't often see that type of response from God. What caused that? What caused that? It was the people concluding that God's not big enough to take us in there. And Because they thought so little of God, he got so angry with them, and he swore to himself. He even told Moses, you come over here. I'm going to wipe out all those people. God was going to destroy them, and he was going to start over with Moses. Instead, after Moses talks with him, barters with him a little bit, they spend the next 40 years walking in the wilderness. And the Bible tells us they do that until God buried all of them. He he wore out their carcasses in the sand waiting for them to breed another generation that he could take those people into the promised land. Now, that was Moses' time, 40 years in the wilderness. When the 40 years are over, they go back, and you can turn to Joshua. Joshua chapter 2. When you get to Joshua, after 40 years of marching in the wilderness, God brings them back, those The people of that entire generation are gone. They've all died off. And 40 years later, their kids are now with Joshua. Moses, God said, you can't even go in. He left Moses on the outside. As soon as Moses died, they mourned for him a little while. And then Joshua was the leader, and Joshua takes them in to the promised land. That's where we're at here in Joshua. So there's two separate events where Moses sends 12 spies, Ten of them come out and convince the people, we can't do this, and they spend 40 years walking. After 40 years, Joshua comes back and look at what happens here. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1. 
Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. I wonder what might have been in Joshua's mind as he sent how many spies? He sent two spies into the land. Moses sent twelve. Two came out with the right report, and I wonder if Joshua was thinking, we're not sending ten guys in there that could possibly be come out and convince the people they can't do it. He sends two. The Bible tells us that they come to this harlot's house named Rahab, and she lived on the wall. The wall of the city. Remember what those ten spies 40 years earlier had said, that the city is great, the city is walled? They weren't lying about that. The cities are still walled. This harlot lived on top of the wall. The wall was so wide, it said they could run chariots around it. And she lived on the top of that wall. It tells us later that she hid these men, these spies, and she even let them down by a cord down the wall because her house was on the wall. You see, not much has changed in Jericho, has it? This city is greatly walled. But there's now a new generation of people. A new type of thinking. Look at down here at verse 7. The men of the city, the men of Jericho, pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone, they shut the gate. Rahab told the leader, the king of Jericho, that those men that you're looking for, they were at my house, but they're gone. And the pursuers went after them. What she didn't tell the king is that they were hiding up in her roof. After the pursuers were gone, she lets them down. And now look at what she tells those two spies. Look at verse 9. She said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Wait a minute. Forty years ago, the ten spies came out and said, the walls are great, those cities are enormous, there's even giants in there. We have no chance. Forty years later, when they come back, the walls are there. What they saw with their eyes is true. But what they believed in their heart is a lie. Rahab is telling them, all of us in here know Look at the the verse 10. This is what she tells the spies. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. I have a question. When did that happen? How many years before Rahab is talking to these spies did God dry up the Red Sea? It was in Moses' time. It was 40 years prior. It was probably a couple weeks before those 12 spies went in to view the land. And what did they see? They saw with their eyes giants, great cities with great walls. And they concluded, nothing we can do to that. They come out, convinced their brethren that they couldn't, and it cost them their lives, it cost them their inheritance. Forty years later when they go back, they now learn what the inhabitants inside there think. And what do they think? Harlob says, or excuse me, Rahab says that we have heard how God dried up the Red Sea and all of us are fainting. You use in verse 9, it says the terror 
is fallen on us. They were scared to death of Israel. Are you getting a picture of maybe what the problems in your life might just be outside of your own eyes? It's very possible for us to look at our problems and think there is no way I can overcome that. And there's something you learn about in your Bible that when you serve God, when we believe that all things are possible to him that believeth, what do you know about this story of Jericho? We, we've all learned it in our Sunday schools. They go marching around that city seven times and they blow these trumpets. How many people did they have to pull a sword out and go after? Not one. God fought that battle for them. Yes, the city was great. Yes, and the city had enormous walls. But God took care of it. And here's the kicker. The terror was in the hearts of those people in Jericho when Moses and the twelve spies were standing outside. And the ten spies didn't know it. You know that God doesn't ask us to know what's going on in the mind and in the heart of another person, another people, another city, another problem. He just wants us to know what's going on in his own mind. God told Moses' people, I'll kick every one of them out before you. But they had to have faith in what they had heard from him. And if they would have crossed the Jordan River then and started marching, the Bible says God would send hornets before them to drive out the people. He would send pestilences and that he would have cleansed that land for them. We have all the evidence right here. Forty years later when Joshua comes in, what happens? God does it. Only difference is that the people in Joshua's time believed what they had heard from God. And they were willing to walk across Jordan and go into the, toward the problem. In Moses' day, they told each other, we're like grasshoppers. There's enormous people. We don't have a chance. They always focused on what they saw. Joshua and Caleb, what they focus on? What they had heard God tell them. The word of the Lord. What do we read in Romans? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. When you hear God's word, when you hear what God has done, when you look down that hundred foot table, that banquet table of people in your faith and what God has done for them, you're no different. This story shows the great difference between what went on in a person and a group of people's heart and how it affected their entire life, even the life of their children. Those children could have spent 40 years in the promised land. Instead, they were walking around in the wilderness burying their parents. Those people simply didn't know that on the inside they were a lot more scared than what they themselves should have been. Look at what Rahab says again in verse 9 and 10. This is the lady living in Jericho. She said unto them, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Now you think about how severe the terror, the fear of God is in those people. They didn't have radios. They didn't have satellite TV. There was no way to communicate to them other than God put it in their hearts. They were scared to death. And if the people on the outside would have known it, they could have 
just like Joshua did. Maybe it would have only taken seven days. They walked around that thing seven days and it was all over. No Israelites were lost. Let's add a cherry to this story. Who's the one person in Jericho that survived? The one person and her family. It's this Rahab, this harlot. Now why? This woman is obviously not living a life God would be all that pleased with, a harlot. But something happened on the inside of her that trumped her past behavior. She says, we have heard what God has done for you. And because of that, we're scared to death. She, she was a, becoming a believer. She's believing in what God has been doing for these people. She then makes a deal in the following verses that says, I won't turn you guys in. I'll hide you in the roof. But you have to promise me, you spare me when you come in and take our city. She is joining whose side? She physically joined God's side. You and I can join God's side just by what we say, what we believe in our heart. When this woman joined God's side, she was the only person with her family that made it out of there alive. And it doesn't end there. Rahab goes on to marry a guy that they would have children, and those people would have children, and she was in the lineage she was on that banquet table of God's believers where she was the ancestor of King David. What does it matter, or excuse me, does it matter what you believe in your heart? You better believe it does. Whose voice will you listen to? When God tells us that we can have something and that he will do something, you can now see he... Maybe it's very likely he's already prepared it. Do you think any of those Israelites could have guessed that God could have in, or would have in that fashion blessed them so by destroying the walls of Jericho, having them crash in on those people so that none of the Israelites would be lost? The Bible tells us God does things above and beyond what we can think, what we can even imagine. He's that enormous. He's that wonderful. What an example this is. They could have had this 40 years ago because the same terror was in those people. They turned around and fled because of what they saw in themselves. A mirror can be a good thing, but a mirror can also be very deceptive. You can look in a mirror and think that you're not all that, that you're something other than what you are because you can be looking on the outside. The Bible says God looks at the inside. He looks at something a little different than we do. The Bible refers to the Word of God as a looking glass. We see ourselves, see our faults. But when God is on the inside of you, you can see, how, you can see what your true strengths really are. This is why the New Testament teaches us to be strong in the power of His might to be strong in the power of his might when if god be for us who can be against us what an example these guys cross the jordan river and they start taking the land and it's a wonderful story to read the whole book of joshua joshua chapter 6 let's look a little bit here at what happens when jericho does 
finally fall. Look at chapter 6, verse... Let's see. Verse 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old and ox, sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. But Joshua said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go in unto the harlot's house, and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had, and they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein. Only the silver, the gold, the vessels of brass and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent out to spy. Maybe you could, we should have or could have went to the New Testament and you can see Rahab's name. She is in the lineage when the, you get to the New Testament and it starts to describe where Jesus came from. It starts with his parents, Joseph and Mary, and it describes their lineage. And the people, down through the lineage, you'll see it will stop and it will mention a woman named Rahab. This woman. I think it mattered what she believed in her heart. She believed in God enough to know, I better get on his side. And she switched sides. And Rahab became an ancestor to Jesus. What a story. Can you see the difference between the people in Joshua's time who believed the word of the Lord that God had delivered those people into their hands versus the people in Moses' time? Because in Moses' time, as soon as it got in their hearts that we can't do this, the Bible says they got on their hands and their knees and they wept and they begged Moses to take us back into Egypt. I think it is very instructive to note God's response to that kind of thinking. God got severely angry at what? At the thought that his people didn't believe him. Didn't think he was big enough. Didn't think he was strong enough to handle their problem. person every now and then should always be reminded of that story. So that when we sit down and when we're alone, when we have problems, and when we don't have somebody in front of us encouraging us, how should we think about God? What should we, how should we value our relationship with him? Made quite the difference with Rahab, didn't it? And it will make the same difference in our lives. That's one of the reasons Jesus said, if you can believe all things are possible to him that believeth, there's always that link between what we think about God and his ability to work in our life. If you can believe, 
All things are possible to him that believeth. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that this time we've set aside for you that the seeds planted would grow strong, that they would produce fruit in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the time that we can set aside for you. We pray that each one of us would have a wonderful week, that you would strengthen, encourage, and edify us. And Lord, we remember to pray for Pastor, that you strengthen and heal him and raise him up, and that he and Tiff would live under an open heaven of all blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.